Welcome to Mental Health Mosaics from OutNorth, an arts nonprofit located in Anchorage, Alaska, on the unceded traditional lands of the Dena'ina people. I'm Ann Hillman. A note before we get into my interview with artist Donalyn Rojas Bowers. The episode discusses self-harm, internet predators, sexual abuse, and emotional abuse. If these issues may trigger you, consider listening in the company of a trusted friend or family member, or have a person in mind you can call in case you need support while listening. Keep in mind, you can always reach out for help from the people at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They're there to listen and to connect you with resources, even if suicide has never crossed your mind. That number is 1-800-273-8255. Now, I want to introduce you to Donlin Rojas Bowers, one of Mental Health Mosaic's featured artists. My name is Donalyn Rojas Bowers. I'm a first-generation Filipino-American. Um, so my mom was born in the Philippines, and my dad is from here in the U.S., and so I'm half Filipino. And I'm really proud of that. I'm I'm actually the first generation to go to college, too, because my mom went to some college in the Philippines, but um, it doesn't count here, I guess. So I'm technically considered the first generation to go to college, which is something that they're really proud of. And I'm graduating in, in May. Donalyn works in watercolors and embroidery. She says her artwork is a journey that helps her better understand her life. Donalyn is a survivor of both cancer and abuse. For the Mosaics art show, she embroidered an image of her arm, the skin marked with scars from self-inflicted cuts. But the marks don't tell Donalyn's whole story. Extending from the scars are beaded threads that transform into butterflies. For Donalyn, creating the piece was one way for her to break the silence about her mental health issues, including self-harm stemming from sexual and emotional abuse. Sharing her story is another way. She said listening to other sexual abuse survivor stories helped her heal, so she wants to do the same for others. It's crazy how much perspective it gives you, um, understanding that you're not the only person that is suffering in this in that way and you're not the only person who doesn't like understand why things are happening the way they are and doesn't understand like why life has to be this way like it's 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 something that's really hard sometimes and I think that understanding that you're not the only one going through that is really helpful because you can you can feel like there's some solidarity between you and other people and and like in this shared human experience that has its ups and downs this is Donalyn's story so I had a complicated, like, I don't know, teenagehood. <laughs> um, and my my family had no had no part to do with this at all. they They were loving and caring, and they did everything they're supposed to do. But I was groomed on the internet um, by people who were definitely pedophiles now that I'm looking back at it. Yeah, definitely pedophiles. Um, and they they, groomed me from the time I was like 13 to the time I graduated high school. And it was not the same person, but um, there was one person who was grooming me for a while who um, who caused a lot of my mental issues from from like my younger days. And so when as you, when you say grooming you, what do you what do you mean exactly? So um, something that a lot of pedophiles and predators will do is, groom children is basically this like 
like how you do your like how you might teach a dog like you give them positive reinforcement for good things and negative reinforcement for bad things but it's not actually good and bad things it's like whatever they want you to do so like they will punish you and not talk to you they'll do psychological torture by like just ghosting you for like a week even though they were saying they were going to call you the next day and then they'll be like well you didn't you didn't do this so I'm not I didn't talk to you for a week and they'll emotionally manipulate you and they'll tell you things like you know if you don't do this I'll you know do this to your family or you will I will like I will have sex with someone else and like I'm like a 14 year old hearing this and it was really traumatic and so I had I still deal with PTSD from that. Normally, it's not even that they're trying to get you to do a specific thing um, every time they try to groom you. It's like they're trying to get you into this mindset where you feel isolated, where you feel like you can't talk to anyone. You feel like everyone hates you or you feel like everyone's against you. I was told for years by someone I thought I loved and trusted that the what my family was doing was like even though it was just like normal stuff like giving me a hug like he was telling me like oh that's malicious it was like I couldn't like live without him like I got to the point where I felt like if I did anything without talking to him first I would get into so much trouble it was such a like horrible experience that it made it really difficult to go through high school I think that I felt like how could anyone understand me? I'm in a relationship that the, the law doesn't approve of because, oh, the law says age is... Yeah. Yeah. But that because that's what they want you to think too. Like, that's mm-hmm. what they tell you. Like, oh, age is just a number. And then, you know, when people tell you things enough, you start to believe it. And mm-hmm. and I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just so bad. And they just run around the internet saying all these things to kids. And these kids are not, like, able to, you know understand like I just didn't understand like I thought he was like my best friend like I was like man this guy's so awesome he talks to me all the time he's so nice like no he's he's nice because he's trying to get something from you Donalyn said that when she was online predators found her easily pedophiles will literally go out of their way to find kids on the internet Mm -hmm. so like I mean if you just exist on the internet they'll message you so you know that's that's it's pretty easy to talk to them. It's not good, you know. It's it's really like I mean, especially if you have accounts as a kid and then, you know, any person can message you and they can say they're any age, you know. You can get on a dating site and say, "Oh yeah, I'm under 18." And then they talk to you and then they you get to like know them and you think that they're a certain age and then they're like, "Oh, actually I'm this age." But then you already kind of like know them and you like them and they're they're your friend. And you're like, "Okay, well, it's probably fine. Like they're only a couple years older than what they said they were, so it's not that bad." Especially considering my parents are 13 years apart, but they met when my mom was like 20-something. So it's different. Um, it's quite quite a bit different. Um, yeah. She was still young, but not not that young. Um, and so, yeah, they just, they, just, they just constantly barrage you with messages. Like, it's, it was insane. Like, how the amount of, like, old men messaging me was, like, disgusting honestly thinking about that now it's like literally disgusting like I don't know why they would think that was okay or like they just do that all day like I don't understand like it's how is this so prevalent but no one no one really realizes how like at risk like kids on the internet are like I think that people are just now realizing that like oh yeah the internet's kind of dangerous I'm like yeah like really freaking dangerous <laughs> yeah 
I was coerced into taking nude pictures of myself as a like teenager. And, and I didn't know about that stuff, really, because no one really talked to me about it. Donalyn said that she was confused and overwhelmed. She didn't want to tell the police what was going on because she was being blackmailed with the nude photos, and she was worried that she would get in legal trouble for taking them. And, and they didn't care that they were ruining my life and that they were causing me this horrible, traumatic like experience and that I was cutting myself because I was so distressed and I felt so alone. They didn't care. And so I want to say that like there are people that care. I, that was probably the scariest part of my life when I thought that no one cared because everyone was telling me no one cared. So it didn't really help. And so I thought that I couldn't go to the law. I thought I couldn't go to my parents. I thought I couldn't go to the therapist because that's basically like going to like my parents or the law. <laughs> and then I thought I couldn't, like I thought I couldn't even talk to my friends because I didn't think they would understand because obviously they would think that dating someone that old is bad. And I'm like, oh no, in my head it's not. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to talk to them about that. So I was alone in my head. I wasn't really alone, but to me, I was alone. Donalyn was emotionally manipulated and sexually exploited through all of high school. His end goal was basically to get me to another state. As soon as I graduated high school, I left my family two days later. I graduated high school and left on a plane two days later because I was ready to go to to him because that's what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And it was not great. I mean, obviously, someone who's (laughs) malicious from the beginning just because of my age is not going to be great when you meet them. And so I had like a horrible two months in Arizona. And then I I couldn't even talk to my parents. He took away my phone. I was pretty much held captive, although I was lucky in the sense that I didn't get, um, like, I didn't get beaten as much as some of the other people there. I mostly got mental abuse. And so a lot of my issues don't lie with, like, the fact that um, I was physically hurt. It was It was mostly through my mental health. Donalyn says she stayed with the man, who was a sex trafficker, until he was eventually arrested and she could return to Alaska. The trauma of the entire experience still impacts her mental health. The grooming is not just like getting you to do things, it's, it's tearing you down. It's about making you feel bad about yourself too, right? So I, as a teenager, I did um, self-harm. And so that's kind of like what my piece is about, the embroidery. It's about... Um, the self-harm I inflicted upon myself as a teenager um, on my arms. I used to cut myself, and it was something that I didn't really understand at the time. Um, I don't know, like, I'm not really sure why I started doing that. Um, I can't remember the first time. I think that a lot of people that self-harm don't necessarily have, like, whenever I do it, I don't necessarily have my right mind. Like, it's, it's kind of like dissociating from like, you know, what's really going on. So sometimes it's hard to remember um, that stuff. But I remember that I was doing it in high school and and it was mostly around the times that um, that guy would pop into my life whenever he would stop talking to me and then start talking to me again and stop talking to me and start talking to me. It, it kind of coincided with that. And for me, like seeing those scars can be really painful sometimes just because It reminds me of a time in my life where I was so confused and felt so alone. 
I thought that my parents didn't love me. I thought my sisters hated me. I was, I was thinking that everything was bad in my life because of this one person telling me this stuff constantly, just whispering in my ear, telling me like, you know, your family's bad, your family's bad, your family's bad, like all the time. The people that are good at it are like, they do it so well that you won't notice until it's like way late. Like I didn't realize what was going on until after like it abruptly ended. Like if he wasn't taken to prison and just like gone from my life, it would have been very hard for me to like leave him ever. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to say no or leave because that's something that they don't want you to ever do. So they, they groom you to not they, whenever you say no, they give you these severe consequences because they want to, you to not say no. Mm-hmm. So I never thought I could leave and I didn't think I ever could. And I think that him getting like abruptly taken was probably the best thing for me. When Donalyn returned home, she didn't just go right back to her old life with her family. She had to figure out how she fit in and what she wanted to do with her life now that it was hers again. She turned to art to process her experiences and later started therapy. I, I had a hard time bringing myself to go to therapy for a long time, especially since you've had to call on the phone and ask for help. And every person you called was like, yeah, we're not taking patients right now. I'm like, oh, great. I guess I'm just going to you know, go cry in the corner. Like, I, like I, it's just it's so much like trouble to get therapy um, unless you have like cancer. A few years after returning to Alaska, Donalyn was diagnosed with cancer. Her treatment lasted about 18 months, and she's now in remission. So, like, for me, I didn't get therapy until I actually got diagnosed with cancer, and they were like, here's therapy. Like, they shove it at you because they want you to not be, like, you know, like, emotionally dying while you're, like, physically dying, I guess. It was during this time that Donalyn finally started processing all that she had been through because of the online predator who abused her. I wouldn't ever say that I would want to forget completely or not ever talk about this stuff that happened to me again because then it would take away a part of me because that's something that I went through and it's made me a stronger person. It changed who I am. And I think that even though it's something that's really traumatic and quite horrendous, um, it's a part of me now and it's something that I have to deal with. And so it's something that I, you know, want to talk about and like, so my old therapist used to say to me, it's like having a closet full of stuff. And even though you don't necessarily want to throw away the stuff in the closet, you do want to organize it so that when you open the closet, it's not just pouring out, you know, like you want to have it in a controlled sense. So like, although these horrible things may have happened to me and I have to stuff it all in the closet sometimes just to be sane, <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's something that's like you need to be able to access it because it's not something that you want to forget because that's it's something that you know you want to remember because you don't ever want that to happen again like you make sure that you make you make sure that um your own life choices who you associate with all the people you talk to i have this frame now of like i need to make sure that i'm safe first i think that's useful for me like you don't have to look out for everybody in the world but i think that having some like being able to have that um, like perspective of like what abuse really looks like means that you can help other people out of it and make sure you like you don't go back into that situation. 
And, you know, I think that understanding what abuse is, is something that I only learned through therapy. Because I, I feel like when I was a teenager, no one talked about that kind of abuse. Therapy is also helping Donalyn understand her self-harm behaviors. She's open about the fact that she still hurts herself sometimes. She knows changing that behavior is hard. I think that a lot of times when I was self-harming, it wasn't necessarily about trying to feel something. It was like, it was like I was upset and I wanted a way to like express that in a way that felt like substantial. And it's not like I didn't feel anything. I was feeling sad. I was feeling stressed. I was feeling upset. Um, but I wanted to feel like some sort of like release of like something. Like I just wanted to feel like there was something else that I could control in my life. And that's, that's what it led to. It led to me cutting myself, which I never um, intended to um, commit suicide through the cutting. It was never that kind of self-harm. It was just the like purely like for the pain self-harm and um it it wasn't it didn't it never got that bad i never got infected or anything it's different now i i don't cut myself i uh sometimes i'll hit myself or if i'm having like a, a an, an attack i might like bite myself um or i'll like skin pick or things like that but it's definitely something that i've struggled with for a long time just self-harm behaviors are something that um, I think that have been really hard for me to get rid of. Pain became something that I would resort to as a way to like, like almost like punish myself for like things I think I'm doing wrong. And so like, if I'm dissociating, that is something that like, I think that's like my brain process. Like I, it's hard to explain because it's not really like, oh, yeah, I want to do this. So I'm doing this. It's not like that straightforward. You know, it's not like I'm thinking mm -hmm. directly about that. It's it's kind of like you get to this point where you are so distressed and upset that you can't think about anything else. And it's like you're not even there. It's yeah. like you're just existing. And then your body starts doing these things. It's like you want to not do it because it hurts and it doesn't feel good. But then there's something inside of you that's like, you have to do this. You have to do this. And that's still something I'm dealing with from, from all the grooming. And still something I talk to my therapist about. I don't think I've self-harmed in quite some months now. So that's good. <laughs> it's something that um, I don't think you can easily get rid of. I think a lot of people that, like, that do self-harm, it's hard to get rid of it completely. Like you transfer to another form. So like, I think that for me, every time I talk about a certain type of self-harm I'm doing, I have to, I feel embarrassed that I'm doing it, then I stop doing it. But then I, I find something else. So that's the hard part that I'll find something else. But since I talk about it, I get to not do it anymore. So the important part is that I <laughs> actually like own up to the fact that there are these behaviors I have that I want to stop. And I think that acknowledging that is important because I can't stop them if I don't want to, you know, mm -hmm. like if I don't want to, then it's, I'm just going to keep doing it. So I have to, you know, hold myself accountable. So that's a big thing for me. And I think that this piece is part of that too. Like I don't, I, I, um, I don't ever want to cut myself again. That's not something that I ever want to do. And I don't want to self-harm again at all either, but you know, everything is a work in progress. 
Donalyn's artwork understanding helps her, that, her trauma um, and move it's forward. It's always one step after the other, one step at a time is is really important. And um, my piece is like me saying, it's very meta because it's me saying to myself, but also to other people that your pain that you go through can be something you can help others with. And it can be something that can help you understand what others are going through at least. And my piece has the butterflies coming out of, um, so I made the scars and then it has like a beading and red thread coming out of the scars as if they were like freshly bleeding, but it was just like out of the ends of the scars as if they were like dripping. And then they connect to the butterflies because butterflies um, have a lot of meaning to me, but also if you ever think about like the butterfly effect or um, how butterflies are something that completely change themselves it's it's a they're like a beautiful creature that completely melt and turn into these beautiful winged creatures and I think that um they're really symbolic of just like hope and new beginnings I used to be really scared and hide my arms all the time long sleeves every day all the time I don't want people to look at my arms I don't like it I was going to get them covered with tattoos and now I'm like no they're a part of me it's something I lived through I I went through this and I'm still here and other people go through this and they're still here and we're strong and it's amazing and so I think that making this piece about it is really is really cathartic for me just because it it tells it tells me that I'm also ready to to move on from self-harm. Donalyn wanted to share her story and her art to help other people understand that they are not alone. Self-harm affects a lot more people than they than a lot of people think. I mean, it's it comes in so many different forms. It's not just physical harm, too. It's something that a lot of people probably deal with, that, and they just don't realize it because it's not necessarily that severe, but it's, you know, it can be for some people. It can be hard to get rid of habits that are um, self-destructive just because it's easy to hate yourself, you know? it's It's really easy to hate yourself. Therapy has helped Donalyn understand why she self-harms and what to do when she feels the urge to hurt herself. The self-harm is a coping mechanism. That often means I can replace it with like any other coping mechanism, but I have to recognize it. So sometimes it can be very difficult for me to realize that I'm like starting to dissociate and getting to the point where I might self-harm um, until it's too late. But um, as one of my therapists explained it to me, you might have different levels of feelings. So like you have like, you have like different zones of emotion. And so like you have your green zone, which is all good, great. Your yellow zone, which is like your warning zone. And then your red zone where it's too late. So um, you have to like kind of look out for like the yellow zones. Like if you're getting upset, you need to start doing something else to cope. And that's something that's really been helpful for me. Um, usually it means like I'm going to start painting or drawing. Because <laughs> that's something that for me is really um really helpful to cope. Um, and sometimes it's like playing a video game or just doing something repetitive so I can get that like feeling of like do, like like skin picking or something like that if I'm like in the mood for that for some reason. Yeah. Like, I so it'll that. be like clicking a pen. And I think that um, nipping in the bud is definitely really helpful. Like go, right before you get to the danger zone, you know, like yeah. you have to start being like, okay, I need to do something to calm down because it's like I'm getting emotionally overwhelmed and it's going to be too much. It's a lot of like, okay, I need to stop talking right now, like, which is, seems really rude 
to my family sometimes. <laughs> Be like, I need to not, I need to not get worked up right now because it's like it's too much, you know. And it's really helpful to know your boundaries. I think that's a really important thing um, to be able to like take that mental health second, you know, or like the day <laughs> or hour, whatever you need, um, is to like have the boundary and be like, I need this. Like, you don't understand. Like, I need this. <laughs> Donalyn thinks everyone needs to prioritize their mental health and that talking about the things they're dealing with is essential. Because the biggest step you can really take when you're trying to take care of your mental health is opening up. I think that um, it's underrated. <laughs> I think a lot of people think that opening up is something that um, is like useful, but not necessarily necessary to getting better. Like they're like, yeah, you know, it's it's nice to talk to someone about it. But in my experience, it's necessary to talk to people about it, even if it's not a therapist. Like I, I have a wonderful family and support system now that I can rely on and they understand what I've been going through just because I've been able to actually talk to them about my symptoms and things. And then once I talked to them about my symptoms, I was able to start talking about like why um, these things were happening. Mental health is something that we need to actually worry about and you need to like actively take care of. And that like people in your life, you know, they, they most of the time want to help you even if it doesn't feel like it. And sometimes you need to give them that chance. If you don't give them the chance to help you, you will never get their help. It will never happen. You have to give them the chance. If people meet you today, who do you want them to see? I would say I'd want them to see me as someone who, although has like been through a lot, is someone that can get through a lot. Like I'm, I'm not someone who's going to be that pushover. I'm not going to be weak. I'm, I'm going to be able to do what I want to do. And I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that person that can't say no anymore. Like I want to be a person that is, has my own autonomy and has my own rights to my body, to my mind, to my actions. I don't want to be someone else's person. I want to be my person first. I want people to see me as an artist <laughs> and as a woman, as as a person who cares about other people, I want to be seen as someone who has survived cancer and has survived literally hell and high water. I, I want to be seen as someone strong because I feel that way. And I feel like at this point in my life, I'm at this point where if I wasn't strong, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be here. Donalyn's embroidered piece, Self-Sabotage, is part of the Mental Health Mosaic's 2022 art show. She also teaches watercolor classes in Anchorage, Alaska, and is training to be a tattoo artist. You can see more of her work on Instagram at Donalyn Bowers. Remember, if you need support right now, you can call the National Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You can find other resources on our website, mentalhealthmosaics.org. I'd also love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and rate it on your favorite podcast apps. Readings help other people find the show and the healing that comes from stories like Donalyn's. This episode was edited by Jenna Schnur, produced by me, Anne Hillman, with audio mixing by Dave Waldron. Our theme music is by Aria Phillips. Mental Health Mosaics receives funding from the Alaska Center for Excellence in Journalism, the Alaska Mental Health Trust, and the Alaska State Council for the Arts. Thanks for listening.